Hey everybody, just wanted to give an official spoiler warning for this episode. While normally we talk all about the plot details of every movie that we cover on the show, we felt that it was only fair since Hunt for the Wilder People is such an underground hit that we didn't want any of you guys to be spoiled by the emotional beats throughout the story. So with that being said, whether you've watched the movie or not, we recommend that you do if you haven't, but most of all, please enjoy the episode. It's okay, kid. You can put it down. It won't hurt you anymore. I said get away from my uncle! Ricky! Give me that. Get out! Ricky, get their guns. Take the bolts out. Getting out of here. Yeah, shit just got real. Welcome to The Bagel Boys Show. This is a movie podcast that's not meant to be taken seriously, seriously. We go through different miniseries covering five-year-old films, franchises, and finally, actors. And this is our five-year-old film series on the movies of 2016. Guess what I we watched over the weekend? Oh, it's it's Daniel's favorite segment. What you been watching? <laughs> what you been watching? Which I kind of wanted to expand on, if that's okay with you, Wes. I want to add for Eric. What you been watching? What you been listening to? What you been eating? Uh, what you been napping? How many naps are we taking? Uh, what you been wearing? I just want to know what you've been up to since we've seen you last. So many questions. Um, <laughs> what? What I've been wearing is this uh, Patagonia zip-up that I got at Goodwill that's oh. branded by a local university. So Dude, that's dope! Definitely not as cool as it could be, but that's I have fine. not been—I've not been napping. Eric, look at Eric is like if I was on a game show, like based on my life for like, and it's the million-dollar question. It's like which one of your friends naps the least. That's an easy, like, Eric Dyer. There's no way Eric naps. Not because he's, like, you're above it. I just see you as, like, yeah. you're a go-getter. You're taking care of business. You're a businessman. There's no nap. How naps do you think I take, Wes? In a week or in, like, a day? In a, in a week. <laughs> I'm going to say probably three in a week. Zero. I'm not a napper. I don't. What? Okay, no, what, I'm serious. What count, look, what counts as a nap from the both of you guys? What What do you guys even consider a nap? Um, an hour long or less sleep in Eric, the middle of the day. Eric's already shaking his head. <laughs> I think it can be any amount of time that your eyes are closed for longer than like thirty seconds, and you lose. <laughs> you lose consciousness of like what is going on <laughs> because I know people who would like, <laughs> like there are people who go to the bathroom and like take a nap in the <laughs> <laughs> while they're working. 
So oh, oh, naps on the clock on the toilet. No, Weston, that's kind of insulting that you said three. I seriously, I don't nap. I feel like you think I'm lazy. No, I was just you 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 played up the question like it was gonna be this insanely high number. Like mm-hmm. I was gonna say two or three, and you're like, nope, it was twelve the whole time. <laughs> like something I'm asleep right now. <laughs> But Eric, Eric, okay, didn't, uh, Eric didn't answer the original question. I'm sorry, Eric. Uh, what you've been listening to? What you've been watching? What you've been snacking on? Um, we had uh, tacos tonight. Mm, love it. Yeah, Taco this, Thursday, like, my man. pork stuff. So it was pretty good. Listening to, dude. I actually have not been listening to anything fresh. <laughs> nothing fresh you say nothing fresh i was thinking about this the other day and i was like i was telling shana i was like i don't listen to like new music anymore like i have not discovered a band in so long i'm kind of in the same boat I'm, i listen to a ton of music but i rarely like oh here's this new band that i've never heard of it's usually I'll listen to bands that I know, but just not that well. And I'll listen to like all their albums. Mm-hmm. But it's very rare do I find like a brand new band to me. That's a mm-hmm. humble brag. Because mm. I know every band. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I hate to be cocky, but <laughs> I'm just very cultured. I've been listening to like the same stuff since I was like 11. So. <laughs> nothing's really changed like if something changes it's only because it's like new music from the same people or like they feature someone on an album and then I kind of like oh okay I'll go that that route but it's, it's that's very rare even in in that instance um yeah but Eric so what have you been watching <laughs> we watched Zootopia whoa <laughs> isn't that it was so random but it was like it was one of those my parents were coming into town and so we had some time to kill and it was one of those moments where you're like I'm just not in the mood to watch like a serious movie at all you know it was just like and I had never seen Zootopia and I was like you know what I said you want to watch Zootopia and Shane was like sure oh that's cool what'd you guys think of Zootopia it was good it was actually really creative I liked it that's a serious movie right there. That's like the godfather of Disney animated movies. <laughs> Famously a very serious movie. It, it does have like a lot of like very serious like symbolism. Concepts, yeah. 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 What, like what if a rabbit became a policewoman? That right there. So it's deep. Heavy. It's pretty heavy. What if a fox wore a tropical Hawaiian shirt? <laughs> and con people i've often wondered this and thankfully disney put it to film uh we recently mentioned that on our moana episode as like just talking about 2016 animated movies that one almost made the list for this miniseries but didn't uh for a handful of reasons none really against the movie it's a it's you heard it here from eric uh you can always trust eric eric likes zootopia go watch Zootopia if you haven't seen it Ooh, this is like our Zootopia episode in disguise like a little bonus episode <laughs> we're pulling an old switcheroo everyone clicked on hey, here give it some bagels <laughs> sure quick fire from the hip Eric give we Daniel and I will not give it bagels Eric's giving the definitive bagel score 
Go for it. Six. Wow. Oh, that's a pretty hot take. Eric, <laughs> Eric was very like, I don't know, you sounded more excited than a six, but I think that's <laughs> fair though. But no, that's fair because he said he liked it. So as long as it's like mm-hmm. above a five, you're above good. Five. By law, like he, Eric is correct, it is a six. So um, this is a nice little segue, but Shay gave Hunt for the Wilder People a six. I asked her on a scale one to 10. She gave it a six. Six huh. bagels. Interesting. How's that for a segue? That's a good segue. This is the uh, 2016 miniseries of five-year-old films of the Bagel Boys show. This is a movie podcast that's not meant to be taken seriously. Seriously, we go through different miniseries covering five-year-old films, like I just said, sometimes franchises, and also sometimes actors. Today, we're joined by Eric Dyer to talk about a movie we like to call Hunt for the Wilder People, because that's what it's called. (laughs) We like to call movies by the right names. That's something we like to do here on the Bagel Boy Show. Usually. Not a lot of podcasts do that. Usually. <laughs> I feel like sometimes we come up with like weird nicknames for like movies or like don't like Benji, hyphen it. Benji Butts. Benji Butts. Little Benji, Benji Butts. butts. <laughs> exactly. It's too long to say the whole thing. Who has time to say <laughs> the curious case of Benjamin Button? Just Benji Butts. I took a nap while you were saying that. <laughs> It's a serious movie, though, and every when I was watching it, I just kept thinking that over and over, and it just kind of... Benji Butt? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> We're slowly, like, I don't know if we are, like, helping people enjoy movies more, or weirdly, like, subtly ruining movies for, for people who listen to the show. The people who listen... They haven't watched a single movie since we started this podcast. <laughs> we ruined films. We're the reason why theaters are going under, not COVID. Oh, no. It's our show. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, MC. We'll stop. 2016. Yeah. What a year. What a year. And what a movie for Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, this was directed by Taika Waititi who recently, as far as, like, once he's most known for, recently directed uh, Thor 3, called Thor Ragnarok, one of the MCU movies. He also directed a movie called Boy and Eagle vs. Shark. He's a New Zealand film uh, director and writer, and those were the first, like, two of his movies that kind of got him on the ground. They're similar for, uh, similar to the one we're talking about today. I haven't seen either of them, but they kind of balance that off the beaten trail kind of comedy coming of age type movies and so it kind of makes sense where he was following along in the track he then went on to make uh kind of an underground hit called what we do in the shadows which is now an fx comedy series eric have you seen what we do in the shadows the show or the movie the movie oh no i haven't seen the movie i haven't seen the show eric (laughs) eric eric you gotta watch that movie, my friend. All right, that's it. That's a Daniel favorite right there. It's very. Um, it's a pee your pants laughing. Watiti got his start uh, working with a person we mentioned on the Moana episode, Jermaine Clement, kind of with the Flight of the Concords, um, and so. What we do in the shadows is very similar in vain. It's a mockumentary that follows these vampires around, and so. 
watching that movie, it was kind of clear that this guy has his own brand of like comedy, and that one's just straight up comedy. But I think where he's at his best is with when he balances both uh, deeper emotions, more heartfelt, feel fuzzy good kind of movies along with the comedy. Um, I feel like he's kind of. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Gosh, I'm real bad at cutting people off. We're doing over Zoom. It's just so hard. Go, I'm you're sorry. fine. I will, don't I, ever apologize. It's more you apologizing is more work for me in the long run because I have to edit everything out. Don't cut this out. Don't cut this out. I want people to think that I'm a really nice guy. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about this watching this movie today. I was like, he's really kind of a more main, uh, not a mainstream. He's more like a Wes Anderson guy that can uh, appeal to a bigger audience he's got that similar kind of quirky sense of humor where you watch it for like two minutes and you're like oh this is a taika waititi movie even when he directed those episodes of mandalorian you're like uh there's something about this episode that oh yeah it was taika because it's just got that you know signature sense of humor and he does a lot of movies about kids that have kind of messed up childhoods and i was like i thought he had a messed up childhood so i looked it up and his parents split up when he was like five yeah. And he had to go back and forth. And I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> most like, uh, you mentioned the Mandalorian. He voiced the IG 11 droid on that show. And I thought he did a really good job at that. Kind of, we saw him direct, you know, the Thor 3 movie and kind of tackle the bigger franchise world before. But I feel like with TV, he gets a little bit more creativity thrown his way. You see his uh, trademark fingerprints definitely in Thor, but with Mandalorian, the humor definitely c- comes through. He directed the the episode where Baby Yoda gets punched in the face, and everyone was in an uproar about that. That was Taika Waititi. So for those of you who might not know who we're talking about, he was the guy behind that. Um, I loved it. <laughs> he also was the guy behind my favorite movie of last last year uh 2019 it feels like we skipped a year because of how 2020 was but he directed jojo uh jojo rabbit and got an oscar for writing the screenplay for that movie as well eric give us some taika takes this is our new segment called taika takes so i really like this movie and i think that he just put a really good original spin on something that's been done a lot with that kind of coming of age story and I really mm-hmm. like that. But I also really like how he blends in um, like a really good storyline also with like some really good visuals. And I think that um, either of those things can make like a pretty good movie, but I think he blends them so well that um, I think that's what sets like this movie apart um, and even his like directing apart from like some other directors. So yeah. yeah. And to your point about the story, I was watching watching it with Shay last night, and she's like, "Are we just watching Up?" And I was like, "No." And I stopped. It's like, "Oh, it is really similar to Up." (laughs) I didn't really think about that. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think about that either. That's funny though. The this was the most highest grossing movie uh, in New Zealand, so it kind of holds that record for like the highest grossing New Zealand movie, and actually beat out his other movie boy that previously held the record and so when this came out this one got a lot more awards attention uh worldwide a little bit not so much at the oscars but just in general did really well at the box office it was made for i think just a couple million and made close to 40 and so Mm -hmm. 
that's and then of course he went direct to direct uh thor 3 after that and marvel's had a history of doing that finding these uh filmmakers you're kind of dabbling in the indie world and the the lower budget films and then when those movies are super successful by that standard they take them and put them in a larger film and usually for the most part that's been working for them and so i think with watiti it's not only worked from you know the franchise kind of big cog of of movie making and cinematic universes but also he actually kind of stands out in that crowd because they've had a few uh directors um notably lord miller lord miller who directed the uh the lego movies they were trying to do i think it was solo was that is that right daniel and they had for creative differences or whatever they want to label it they left that project the other one that comes to mind is uh Edgar Wright, who directed Shaun of the Dead and Baby Driver, he was supposed to direct Ant-Man. And again, he got kicked off or left the project for creative differences. And so you see I these guys. I don't understand yeah. how, how does Edgar Wright get fired, but not Taika? Because they were very similar directors. I don't no, get he, how. Edgar Wright left. Oh, he didn't get fired. He left. No, he, he I mean, well, he it probably, was like, yeah. Did he leave because he didn't get to do his vision? Yes. So how come I understand? That's just funny to me though, because when I watch the Ragnarok, I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of what an Edgar Wright Marvel movie would look like. So I just wonder how different it was going to be. Um, I think it has to do with that Thor in general at that point wasn't as successful, if that makes sense. Whereas Ant-Man was its own new thing. So like the first two Thor movies were successful. They were part of the machine, but critically weren't the best. And Taika isn't as like you see his humor in the movie for sure but you don't see the trademark uh stylistic choices that someone like Edgar Wright might want in in the Marvel movie necessarily you still get all the big story beats of what the paint by numbers Marvel stuff is in that movie but the humor is where it kind of comes through Marvel's known for their kind of quippy humor and so his brand of offbeat humor and dry humor and quick jokes and stuff kind of fit right into that slot but um it's funny that he's the one who kind of comes through like you were saying daniel and he's still he's able to work on that larger scale is my point and that's something i appreciate but appreciate about him a lot more on the smaller scale because then you get to see him kind of run wild it's nice that he works in both in both uh places if you will yeah well and i think that's the thing is I, I think that most directors are kind of in one world or the other. Whereas like, you know, Hunt for the Wilder People was like pretty small, like a much smaller scale, yeah. especially when you look at like a lot of the places that they were shooting some of the scenes. Um, and so they were just working with like a smaller group of people. But that's what I like about this movie is like, it kind of has that indie feel to it, but it has like the appeal for everyone. And yeah. I think that it's like, that's what makes it so good yeah that's a great point they have a if you go diving into like we mentioned this is a new zealand film if you go diving into like the cast and the writers and whatnot you'll see that these people have worked in some way or another before uh the actor the young kid julian dennison who plays ricky baker in the movie he worked with watiti on a commercial prior to this and that commercial was like a big commercial in new zealand and so that's how they met uh, Rachel House, who plays Paula Hall, the No Child Left Behind <laughs> service lady, she worked with Watiti several times, including in the in the Thor movie we, we've mentioned already. And so 
there's this real sense of community and i was looking into stuff that kind of just happened while shooting the movie they actually had like the military from new zealand come in and help them out during one of the tough shoots during um like a snowstorm and so they were just there helping them set up like tents and stuff for the crew there was all this these people like rallying together to make this film and you definitely feel that through the screen as you're watching it even though those people aren't really necessarily on screen there's that that big sense of like pride and uh i guess camaraderie within everyone behind the camera and that it's one of those rare instances where that translates so well to the actual subject material of the movie Mm -hmm. did you uh did you read west what movie taika almost directed in 2016 he wrote some of moana he wrote like yeah. a screenplay originally for that. Yeah. He wrote treatments for it, I should say. Which also has Rachel House in it. See, yes, it, it all does. comes full circle. It also has, uh, this is like a lesser known role in this movie. Also, it, he plays, a, he voices a fisherman in Moana, but it's Oscar uh, Kitely who plays Officer Andy, like one of my oh, favorite nice. characters in this whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's great. Yeah, we're kind of circling the drain here. So let's yeah. just jump right into these tomatoes, you guys. So we're going to guess the tomato meter. Tomatoes are the much inferior uh, movie uh, food-related product to rate and review your movies on, but it's a more known uh, website that everyone talks about. So we're going to rate these tomatoes and kind of guess what the critics and audiences had to say about Hunt for the Wilder People back in 2016. And so let me read you guys off the consensus here really quick. The charmingly offbeat Hunt for the Wilder People unites a solid cast, a talented filmmaker, and a poignant, funny, deeply affecting message. Both scores from that consensus don't, you guys don't need this, but they are fresh. Fresh is a score of 60% or higher. Anything below that is a rotten tomato. At the end of this episode, like always, we will rate our film on bagels, which is much better. And you can put your stock in that. But right now, Daniel and Eric are going to guess well this is going to be hard for eric because these scores are fresh unlike his music taste Ooh, that's good it's good um but i would say it's my (laughs) no it's your music taste uh for the critics i would say eric i'm trying to talk uh for the critics it's a 95 percent the critics were raving i actually don't know that i imagine they were i was going to say critics 90. 97. Ooh, critics are very hot on this movie. They loved it. They Audience, liked the Wilder People picture. They did like the, these Wilder People. Um, audience score is still fresh, but it is lower than the critics' tomato meter. Solid 89, my friend. I'm going to go 90 again. 91. Yeah, yeah 91. very close. You guys split it this time. Nice. Yeah, people people adored this movie. Um, it's one of those things that because it was a New Zealand movie that came out five years ago, and it wasn't like Watiti. Like I feel like people talk about Jojo Rabbit and that because it's much more eye grabbing title when people write an article about it. It's like oh, it's the Hitler comedy, and and it got a lot more awards attention this time around because it was after Thor. This one was pre Marvel, and so there is it did well here for 
what this movie is and the size of it and everything. But this is one, weirdly enough, where I saw it a handful of years ago, but I definitely didn't see it in 2016. Um, my wife actually took a trip to New Zealand for a few months to study abroad. And when she came back, I had heard the name of the movie before, but she was like, "We well, we have to see it. And of course, she saw it over there because it's like, again, the biggest movie that New Zealand has to offer. And so she came About back. Lord of the Rings? Not Lord of the Rings, weirdly. <laughs> Just kidding. Right. Well, no, 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 no. This is a good. This is a good point to bring up here. Lord of the Rings is like the biggest thing over there. They make reference to it in this movie, and mm-hmm. it just doesn't count as a New Zealand movie, even though the director is from New Zealand, and several of the actors are as well. It just doesn't count as a homegrown New Zealand movie, I guess, by some sort of, someone, some decree was made that it doesn't technically count. <laughs> the, the king of the New Zealand. Size of it. Huh? Uh, the king of New Zealand. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the king of um, New Zealand said no to Lord <laughs> of the Rings. <laughs> king George of uh, Zealand. Uh, why isn't Rachel on this episode? Because she's our resident New Zealand expert. She's from there. She lived there for <laughs> 18 years, was it? That's That's way off, but sure uh no we i talked to her about it she i think if rachel got eric dang it eric we we got him okay hold on (laughs) you can't just (laughs) besmirch our guests like this i'm happy to be here yeah (laughs) wes i told you not to get him on the show again i was very specific with my instructions let's just remember he was a little bit late he was probably like googling uh fun facts about the movie (laughs) eric's gonna Eric's firing back at you on your your last second. Hey, I need to go look up the title of this movie and finish it up before we start our Zoom meeting. I have 15 minutes left of this movie. I'm watching Jojo Rabbit. Is this the right one? Uh, To answer your question, though, I think if Rachel's ever on the show, it's probably going to be a movie that she doesn't either completely like or completely dislike. Oh, I love it. Okay. She's afraid Lukewarm she takes. won't ever have anything to say about something overly positive because she loves the movie. And we, when we watched it together the first time, I was like, this is great. Because at that point, I think Thor had already just come out or was about to come out. And I, so I was already kind mm-hmm. of, I'd already seen what we do in the shadows and to know that this guy was making another movie and to see something that where what we do in the shadows, I think is great. It's just, it follows that mockumentary style. And so if that's not your thing, it's a very niche kind of subject material. I think it still holds up really well to this day. And, you know, obviously it has a, a TV series based off of it as well, but it's an Hunt unofficial Baker's dozen. Huh? It's an unofficial Baker's dozen. Legally obligated not to say that it is because <laughs> we're not covering it, but it, in my book, it's the Baker's dozen. Having this, style going for a more linear kind of story i think works a lot better especially when he's at the helm to like write it and direct it at the same time i feel like because you know obviously i like jojo rabbit a lot this was you know kind of planting the seeds for that to eventually happen because that was the next movie he wrote and directed well and you mentioned the first time you watched it wasn't for a little bit after it was released and i didn't even watch it until probably a year or year and a half ago mm-hmm. but since that time i've probably watched it like five or six times Whoa! And not and just on different occasions because this is one of the movies that i love watching with people 
So anytime someone comes over and we're like, hey, you want to watch a movie? I like to watch movies that not everyone has seen because I yes. think that that's kind of boring. And so um, there's like a fair amount of people who haven't seen it. And so it's just a great movie, I think, for anybody, but especially for people who haven't seen it before. So, yeah. It's a nice, safe movie you can recommend to anyone. And that's yeah. got, yeah, that gives this movie major points. Uh, I wouldn't really imagine anybody saying they hate this movie or really dislike it. Uh, I saw this movie a couple years ago per Wesley's recommendation. Um, really enjoyed it. I think it gets better every time I rewatch it. Um, yeah, I'm going to make Wes mad because I'm going to show my hand. This is not my favorite Taika, but I think it's his best movie. Um, obviously, my favorite is what we do in the shadows, but this is a much tighter movie that I think is just better written. I think it's not as <laughs> what we do in the shadows is so funny to me, but it's just a complete mess of a movie. This is just a very tight, you know, uh, cohesive story that's under two hours. Anybody can get on board with this. I just, I think this is his best movie. Give me like two minutes. I need to upgrade my zoom. <laughs> oh no. So this is like, this is like the third I think we've done. And now it's finally actually making me upgrade it. So give me two seconds. Do you have to pay for it? Hey, we're going to be starting a Bagel Boys uh, Patreon. So <laughs> starting at $5 a month, you can get a one-on-one -on -one with Daniel and his uh, music. <laughs> no. <laughs> People would not want that. He'll give free music advice for 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> make people playlists that they don't like. <laughs> He'll make playlists that he's going to later have to edit because his own inward critic has <laughs> totally uh, changed what... This sucks. When I first saw this movie, one of my I was at a friend's house, and it was this guy I knew pretty well, and then he had invited some people that I had never met before. And they had brought some movies that they really liked. And so we, we had three movies to pick from. Princess Bride. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. A movie called um, Sergeant Payne. Oh, oh yeah. Sergeant Payne. Okay. And Hunt for the Wilder People. And oh. watched, first off, Princess Bride was kind of out just because I've seen it so many times. It's like, I wanted to watch something I hadn't seen before. Exactly. Major Pain, I mean, we watched the trailer and I was just kind of like, eh, I'm not, yeah, not jiving with it at that time. And so we ended up watching Hunt for the Wilder People and I'm extremely glad we did because it's such a great movie. Definitely the right choice out of the series. Sergeant Pain isn't bad. It's just as a whatever 20 something 20 something you you are you know that's that's a movie to like rewatch if you saw it a few times as a kid yeah. like yeah. not in a group of 20 something year olds just right. on a random night but um yeah no i'm glad you ended up watching because we actually connected on this i feel like a few months ago where you were mm -hmm. like before we weren't even talking bagel boys anything or show you just asked for movie recommendation i was like oh well you gotta talk you gotta you gotta watch hunt for the wilder people and you're like yeah. i've seen that i was like that's great you should hey hold on you you should come on and talk about it because you were so yeah. you were so pumped up about it and i think rightfully so um you guys have kind of mentioned your praise for this movie already 
back when we saw it, I just remember thinking how, like you said, Eric, it's so like on paper, it's like, oh, it's a grumpy old man and the wayward child and they go on an adventure in the woods. Like on paper, it's like, what, like, why, why even bother? There's so many things out there nowadays. And I want to point out that at least at the time of recording this, for those of you listening, it is on Netflix right now. It just got added fairly recently. So I, I feel like it should still be there by the time this comes out. And this is like an immediate recommendation from all of us. Um, no bagels yet or anything but I, it's safe to say that this is such a not necessarily crowd-pleasing movie but such a heartwarming and unique spin on a story that we've heard a, a thousand times and it's acted extremely well and written even better before we dissect anything any further just want to give a quick synopsis for people because like we've said a handful of times this is a lesser known film so Hunt for the Wilder People. I want you guys to like, this doesn't have a tagline, but I want you guys to guess the tagline because it's awful. It's a really bad tagline in my opinion. Is it a haiku? No, it's not a haiku, but that would have been more fitting if it was. Missed opportunity. Eric, do you have any stabs at what you think the tagline for this movie would be? Mm. Hunt for the Wilder People. The boy who found his home. Ah, oh, see, that's much more heartwarming. The tagline, at least what I found here, is nature just got gangster. Mm. <laughs> I kind of like that. I kind of like it, but at the same time, I'm like, that doesn't that doesn't sell me on the movie, and it's yeah. not what it's about at all. <laughs> oh, I'm no. sold. Disagree here. They should have like said, um, nature just got scucks. Yeah, Scott. <laughs> Which is weird because he like that's the only. Yeah, but Americans don't know what that is, though. I don't even know what a Scott is. What is Scott's? Just someone who's cool, basically like Scux swagger. It's Scott's, yeah. So is that a New Zealand thing? Do I am I really just old and don't know what it is, or is that a New Zealand thing? No, I think it's a. It's New a New Zealand. It's a New Zealand okay. thing. Rachel, sure. <laughs> does Rachel ever call you Scott's? No, because I'm not. <laughs> Ricky is a defiant young city kid who finds himself on the run with his cantankerous foster uncle in the wild New Zealand bush. A national manhunt ensues and two are forced to put aside their differences and work together to survive. Can I say something off the top? And I'm glad you read that. I relate so much to Sam Neill's character. Do you know why? Because he's white and he has a beard. I don't know. <laughs> no, I am also a foster uncle. Nice. nice. Most people might not even, like, people know, but Daniel's last name is Foster. <laughs> they know. They already know. The joke our, is funny. Our whole shtick is we never say our last names, and you don't <laughs> even say your first name half the not time. Not Daniel's name is fo- last name is Foster. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> not Wes. Yeah. Not, not Wes. Uh, I'm not Daniel. We gave up on that a while ago. It's been a while since we've introduced the show like that. It's been a while no, since we did last time. Did we? Did we not do it last time? I thought hey, we did. Everything's all... Mixed I, well, up. I famously nap a lot, so I was probably, you know, I missed it, I guess. You know, you Never guys haven't done as many bits as you used to do. We, oh, we haven't? No. We probably I think Wes start. cuts out all my bits. 
I don't cut them out, but you bail on them like half the time and you apologize midway through. And I'm like, I'm not going to keep this bit into apology in the episode. <laughs> Are you going to keep my bit I just made earlier about Skucks? No, because <laughs> that's not oh, a bit. Okay. That's a, there's, kind a, of a bit. there's a huge bit difference between <laughs> an inappropriate joke and a bit. No, anything that makes you uncomfortable in my eyes is a bit. 90% of the show would get cut. <laughs> uh, nitpicks. I'm glad we brought it up. Yeah, so... I don't have too many nitpicks. I'll just be uh, honest with you guys. I really, really think this is a very well-done movie. I think if I had to say anything, I think maybe it could be 10 minutes shorter. I think the last, the third act is a little long, in my opinion. Um, when they meet up with the guy who's like the, the Bush guy, you know... Psycho Sam. I like that scene. I, I like that character, and he's in it because he's a friend of Taika's. He's in What mm-hmm. We Do in the Shadows. He's the werewolf, and yeah. so I get why he's in everything. But at the same time, like I feel like the movie was almost going to be over, and then they kind of threw that whole, you know, subplot in there. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like you could take it out, and it wouldn't take away from the movie too much for me. So, but that's just just nitpicking the point of the segment. I honestly don't feel like there's that much i would take out most of the jokes land for me i think all the performances are great uh yeah yeah i can get how you would say that i mean i think there are several scenes that aren't hugely beneficial to the entire plot like even when he um goes to get help and he's like hanging out at that girl's house like but i I think that those scenes are really funny. I think each one adds like something to the movie, even if it's not ne- completely necessary for the storyline. But also, I don't really have any huge nitpicks either. I think that um, the movie's really solid overall. I don't think there's one thing that I could say this needs to change. Yeah, I'm kind of. We're kind of going to go three for three here. There's. Like, it's always a stretch. Um, Like, you could talk about the pacing not being the most even thing, just from some of the scenes you guys have mentioned. But those things that kind of slow the movie down or speed it up and add things to it don't necessarily... They're never off tone. Everything that, like, gets added in, like you mentioned going to the girl's house where he spends an evening with this family, it kind of reflects what he never had. And so it's always tied back into the story of like family and community and all these other things. Um, And then to what Daniel was saying about the psycho Sam character, there's like all these people that kind of ran into that were against them. And then it's kind of weird that the one guy who's like kind of there to help them is the one that kind of like does them in at the end, which is weird. And he didn't even mean to like unintentionally. So I, I like that aspect of it too. One of the things that like I would have to like categorize as like a definite nitpick is weirdly enough, the Lord of the Rings joke, because the first time I'm watching this and maybe it's just me being an ultra nerd and I'm like, oh, like the way they set up that shot, I'm like, oh, this is Lord of the Rings. This is funny. Like this is just, you know, the SWAT teams are coming after them. They're all dressed in black. They're underneath the road a little bit. Like, that's Lord of the Rings. That's really funny. And then the kid, Julian Dennison, Ricky Baker, he makes the joke and he's like, this is like, this is like Lord of the Rings. And it's like, okay, hold on. If I, the reason why I'm like keeping this in is like, because it is a nitpick, because it is funny in some aspects, but 
if I was like, kind of like, oh, I wish they would have just left it at the reference without pointing it out. Because the rest of the movie is so, I don't know, like it's so specific with its humor. And that's the one joke to me that's kind of weird, especially with it being in New Zealand. Everybody in New Zealand will know what Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit is. And so it's like, I have a feeling like, other people have to have felt the same way about that. But it's realistic movie. to the character because the character of the whole movie is making pop culture references. He names his dog yeah. Tupac. <laughs> you know, he's joking about. So I, I, I don't, I don't mind that because, of course, this kid's already thinking about another movie. Like he wants his whole life to be an action movie. So I was okay, Eric. I'll push back on you. I kind of liked that. Okay, so yeah, they didn't do a lot with the girl that he's crushing on which is a little kind of annoying, but at the same time, I love that scene because I love <laughs> the dad who wants yeah, all the no selfies words. with them. Yeah, the dad wants the selfies because it's hilarious. This kid's on, you know, the he's on the news of being, you know, hiding and this dad just wants pictures with him and then he goes and takes a nap on the couch. <laughs> well, I, love I just that love that scene. Because <laughs> she's like seeing him the song and you, the whole yeah. scene setup is just like both of them. And so you think it's just them two the whole time. <laughs> and then as soon as she starts seeing, someone else starts seeing it, pans over to the dad and he's just laying on the couch. Like he's been there the whole time. I just think that's really creative because it adds this thing of like this tension that's building. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, this whole thing isn't what I thought it was. One of my <laughs> favorite bits from that whole segment is he goes into the house and the girl's like calling for help and like they ask him if he wants stuff to eat they ask him if he wants ice cream a sausage they ask him if he wants a sausage like 50 times which i think is funny but as it's like revealed that he's like starting to crush on this girl in the most cheesy way possible with like her it being slow-mo and the lights hit her and her hair is flowing <laughs> in the wind you hear like right before that is a shot of the tv and there's like a commercial for a candy bar and the song and like jingle from the candy bar is what's played in slow motion where it's like the flakiest chocolate is like playing in the background as it's showing this girl with the hair blowing in the wind. And then it just stops and like it's over and there's no like other mention of the crush at all until as he as he's leaving their, their little uh, spot of land to go back into the bush. Uh, he looks back at her and faintly like the score kicks back in of the the chocolate commercial again and it's like (laughs) i love when movies do that where they plant the seed of a joke and then subtly like go back to it like not even 15 minutes later that one made me laugh a lot this time around but i like that yeah he has a crush but it's not a big deal there's not like a romance between them because they're both like 14 yeah you know that's another thing i don't like in movies when there's like romantic tension between 14 year olds because that's kind of uncomfortable (laughs) so i like that this is just treated as a very silly one-off 10 minute subplot the uh i think it kind of speaks volumes to the movie as we go as we went into this nitpicking section and we all had stuff to say as far as that goes but as this category has gone on, we find ourselves laughing and talking about things we liked again, deeper within the things that we didn't, we thought we didn't like. And so I think that's kind of the best way to describe this movie is there's, it's so hard. You could, you could even go in with a negative mindset or watch this movie in a bad mood, looking for things to dislike about it. And I'm not saying it's a perfect movie by any stretch, but it's, it's so difficult to, to see the flaws in something that's so, focused on making you feel a lot of positive emotions but also 
reflect on your negative ones as well. Right. And the, the movie, I think it just, it has a specific focus and it stays within that and does that really, really well. It's not like some movies that are like, oh, we're going to try to do this. And then they don't quite reach that mark. I think it's just like really focused um, on where the movie wants to go with like all the shots. It's very specific, but I think it does that so well that it's like, it's hard to nitpick that. Cause you're like, they had a vision, they accomplished that and they didn't try too hard. And I think yeah. that that's where some of that organic, just like, almost, like I said before, kind of that indie part of the film just comes out. Yeah. And I like that they kind of weave in and out of like, a lot of this movie's kind of sad. It's like dealing with death, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you obviously deal with the ant dying. You, Sam Neill's character. Spoiler alert. Well, you know what? <laughs> I wasn't going to say that just in case. No, no, no. We spoil things here. Um, Sam Neill's character is dealing with killing a guy in the past. Um, I think they mentioned that Ricky Baker's parents died, right? Yeah. So, and the dog dies, which we'll get to. But I, I like that there's those heavy topics, but they also treat it with comedy. Because, I, I don't know, I think that, you know, death is a part of life. And I like it when movies kind of make, you know, light of death of those darker subjects. Like the funeral scene with Taika's, like, one of my favorite scenes. And he even said that he based that off of a real funeral he went to. <laughs> he said that he went to a eulogy where a guy was, like, giving, like... Uh, the eulogy talking about how one side is like candy bars and stuff <laughs> taiko was singing the crowd like what the heck all these complex <laughs> analogies and whatnot <laughs> that scene makes me laugh the hardest in this whole movie yeah the uh to talk bounce off of what you guys were saying about eric you described it as organic other movies that kind of came to mind, uh, they don't really match necessarily as far as like tone or subject matter, but movies like Nacho Libre or Napoleon Dynamite or Hot Rod, where it's like that very specific brand of humor. Eventually within those movies, I feel like for people who don't enjoy them, a few things happen. Either one, you get tired of the story or rather lack thereof where things are just kind of happening or it gets to the point where the whole movie is kind of a pyramid upside down based on jokes and eventually the jokes stop paying off with this movie even if you're not laughing at every single joke which i find myself laughing at a majority of them even on rewatches you still have that really well constructed story and emotional beats to fall back on and so again kind of just weirdly looking at my screen here of like things you know same flick now we nitpick it's kind of hard to get to the the you know something really wrong with the core of this movie and that kind of radiates throughout every piece of it whether it's the performances the way it's shot the thought I think the musical uh, aspect of this movie or the excuse me the score aspect and the musical side of things is, is really well done too and so yeah it's hard to find a chink in the armor here with this movie well Eric, you're a reoccurring guest, but it's your first time to take your stab at our new segment called Lukewarm Observation. So this is not a hot take. It's not a cold slice. It's something very in between and minute. We're going to say something obvious about the film and then move right along and not acknowledge it. We do not acknowledge, Eric. Do you hear me? Yeah, don't. Do not acknowledge. Do not acknowledge each other's lukewarm observations. You go first, Eric. Here goes. Um, 
the accents can be a little hard to understand sometimes and some people like to watch it on with uh, subtitles i don't like it when dogs die this movie makes me feel more than two emotions all right so blast right. from the cast <laughs> I didn't know what to do because I feel like usually you guys like are just like okay like you don't go off of the observation but you still say yeah that makes sense and then we, Eric, we, didn't say Eric, we, we were we were we so freaking close to not acknowledging this time <laughs> you ah, it's usually me who blows it arguably like the tough i felt like we had it we were right there where it's like we had some really funny but also weird like interesting very truthful takes about the movie from someone like you eric who's seen it like 12 times within a calendar year <laughs> daniel who usually <laughs> says something about or laughs and then me like just trying not to stumble over my own <laughs> we were right there <laughs> Uh, we were about to make a, t- a touchdown, and Eric tripped us. Daniel's we were thinking both carrying the ball together. I Daniel. skidded in on the one yard line, and uh, that's right. You well, threw a bagel on the you threw the bagel and tripped us. I'm just waiting to see when Daniel's bank of sports references runs completely dry here in the next like ten seconds because the Super oh. Bowl just happened, and that's probably where the football thing came from. Oh no, Wes, that was my one sports reference for the whole series. Oh, I good. do one per series. You do one per ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I'm surprised. Yeah, I wasn't the one who brought up sports this episode. I want you to pull out like a foosball reference or like a table tennis reference. Like you got to broaden your horizons a little bit. It, but it's always basketball okay well, baseball challenge accepted we've got blast from the cast so we're either gonna give the characters and performances in the movie a blast or a pass from these performances from five years ago so let's tackle mr heck faulkner played by sam neal heck <laughs> I'm blanking on the kid's name who played Ricky Baker. Julian something. Julian anyway, Dennison. Julian Dennison. He said, he's like, I came home and tell my mom I got the part. And she's like, you get to work with Sam Neill? He's like, I didn't know who it was. And I saw a picture of him and he was like, oh, Jurassic Park. And I was like, you're playing yourself. Because Ricky Baker would say that. <laughs> yes. Sam Neill, I kind of looked up his filmography after kind of preparing for this episode, and Jurassic Park's like the main one, like he's been in a lot of stuff over his career, but I feel like this has to be the performance of his career, right? Like, going back, I think so, yeah. Wait, you think this is better than Jurassic Park? Yes. A thousand times. Uh, No, absolutely not. That like is Sam, laughable. He's not that he's not like bad in Jurassic Park. This movie gives him so much more to do, I feel like, especially in the the subtler moments where he has to not only show the anger cuz you could just play this as this grumpy old man, and that's the role of the movie for sure, but there's a lot of emotional scenes that he has to kind of carry throughout the, the film, you know. There there's the scenes where like after the passing of his wife where he's initially dealing with that you have to go on to go completely full circle with this guy to actually believe he cares about Ricky Baker by the end of the movie. So 
I don't see how archaeologist Sam Neill from Jurassic Park is better than this really emotional. In, well, I don't see it. I'll push back because you could definitely recast this character in Hunt for the Wilder People with a different cranky old man. Jurassic Park is so iconic and he kind of makes that movie for me. He does. Him and Jeff Goldblum. He's the man. Uh, I read on Twitter somebody said, yeah, Chris Pratt may be a snack in Jurassic World, but he's the whole meal in Jurassic Park. (laughs) I gotta agree. He's the man. Eric, what do you have to say? does a really good job in this movie. I don't know if you can compare it to some of his other films, because I honestly, I think a lot of them we probably haven't seen besides maybe Jurassic Park and maybe like Hunt for Red October or something. But I think that he does such a good job with this role because he, in the beginning of the movie, you really don't think, like he really does not like Ricky. And I think that that comes across so well, even when they're doing like the, uh, birthday scene like he is just not there he's not enjoying it whatsoever and I think that (laughs) he really sells that and I don't think every actor could sell that and then turn it around because like throughout 75% of the movie you're still not sure if Heck is like on board with the with everything you know he's like still got that edgy side to him and I think it's like not till the very end that you really realize that he's like totally bought in um and i think i don't think every actor could could really play both sides of that and pull it off i think one of the things too that i kind of get drawn to is both sam neil and julian dennison their age difference is one thing that's obviously part of the movie as far as the actors go but the way they play off each other with the comedic timing i feel like Mm -hmm. a bigger studio like comedies sometimes they're great when you have two big comedic stars, but a lot of the time I feel like you have like these competing like comedic tones going at each other, or one person trying to outdo the other, which sometimes can be really entertaining. But in this movie, they're each doing their own brand of thing with the timing and the, and the subject material and how Taika Waititi writes their dialogue. And so to have these guys actually play off each other that well to the point of which you're laughing and like holding your gut in one scene. And then the next scene, you're believing that these guys have this bond that's continually growing. And when they say things that hurt one another, you're not just like rolling your eyes, like, Oh, this is tacked on emotional BS for movie goers. Like this is actual, like these are characters kind of unfolding throughout the story. We talked about the runtime a little bit earlier. It's under two hours. It's only, I checked before the credits start, before the credits start rolling, it's an hour and 35 minutes is right when it comes on to the end. So again, a fairly short movie for us here at the Bagel Boys, but you cover so much ground in that time with these two characters. And I'm not once bored with when, it, when they're on the screen together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally hectares of, uh, of ground they cover. <laughs> Eric, Eric, I feel like <laughs> Eric's like I don't know like if you were like proud of yourself or if you were like <laughs> you're like you have that my... written down, Eric. Were you planning that? I was proud of it, but also like I knew it was bad. 
I'm I'm glad I'm, you committed to the bit. Eric's Eric's bringing the bit back. Bringing the bits back. <laughs> Eric has reminded us why we started the show. It's all about the That's bits. Right. <laughs> You're the reason we keep going. Um, no, he's a definite past for me. He's great. Like you said, he plays off Julian so well. You said uh, past. I love. Oh, blasts is what I meant. Sorry. It's like what? Blast. <laughs> no, he's he's a definite blast. He's fantastic, and he can also cook a mean eel. Do you see that eel? Yeah, that was a big eel. Mm-hmm. Let's jump over to his counterpart, Julian Dennison, Ricky Baker. Uh, I know a lot of these characters and act, all these actors we're going to talk about today, other than Sam Neill, might not be household names, but Julian Dennison, more famously and recently, played the the kid mutant from Deadpool Two. So that's probably the most mainstream mainstream thing he's been in so far this movie again i look at deadpool 2 and he plays a very similar version of this kind of wayward teenager this you know kid who doesn't want to listen to the rules who thinks he's a lot tougher than he is in that movie this movie does the same exact thing and did it first and i again i feel like it did it better because Mm -hmm. you have these legitimate realistic issues that you know foster kids have to go through all the time and all these things that they're facing while still simultaneously being just normal kids who want to make movie references and want to eat candy and want to just you know give up after being in the woods for five minutes you know Uh, his reactions at the beginning when they gift him uh, the dog who he names Tupac he's immediately happy at that but then in the next scene he's you know thinking about running away again i feel like he plays off that duality so well where it's like this kid's in so much pain but he's also still trying to have as much fun as he can he also is really good at just (laughs) the scenes where he sees his aunt you know slaughtering that pig and he just has that look of horror he does those scenes really well he plays i don't know you just believe this kid is like a punk who's in way over his head. And I feel like Deadpool, they just saw his performance in this. I was like, oh, that was really good. Do that again. But with a not as great script. You know what I mean? So, no, he's definitely better in this. I think the script really helps him and he plays off it really well. But I, you definitely kind of buy into the fact that he's still like a young kid. I like that scene where he runs away, kind of quote unquote, and he it does like the whole like traveling montage and then it kind of zooms out and he's probably like 200 yards from the house and and then like um his aunt is like just hanging out she's like so you're running away he's like yeah (laughs) Yeah. and she said that he's got some eggs and bacons and sauces and i was like ooh. (laughs) I want to eat breakfast with these guys. Let's make me hungry. Right? (laughs) They got the food over there. Oh, Wes, you mentioned two emotions. I'm just going to mention the lukewarm observation because Eric already did. But one of those emotions for me, more than two. two, But the first one for me would be hungry. (laughs) As the emotion. This made me hungry. Strong feelings of hunger. (laughs) You're never given that cheesy sob story over the top kind of performance of like oh this is the time where ricky gets sad and now it's a sad part of the movie everything feels extremely genuine from point a to point c or wherever the movie ends up emotionally 
And so I feel like more so than Sam Neill's character, if you don't believe this kid, the whole thing kind of just falls apart because yeah, you could just throw him in there as a joke as one liner or two. And then at the end, have him as the emotional hook, but everything throughout, and it speaks more to the Testament of the screenplay. You have these things that ping pong back and forth between one another. There's your table tennis reference, Daniel. And yes. they we go. do it so well where Nailed it's not it. jarring. Everything just kind of flows together. And a part of that is the performances. I think it's, you know, goes without saying, we'll get into some of the side characters here now, but I think the whole cast gets a blast for sure. Yeah. The whole cast gets a blast. Um, Rachel House. Rachel She's House. the same character as she is in Soul. <laughs> exact same character. Yeah. She voiced. kind of cracking me up watching it last night. Who does she voice in Soul, Daniel? Remind the viewer or listener. Oh, she, she voices the, uh, the accountant. Mm-hmm. in the uh, great beyond who's trying to track down the main characters two main characters she's trying to track down and take back she's exact also same in, role as this in thor ragnarok another very similar mm-hmm. role of like the bounty hunter slash right hand yep. man of the the grandmaster jeff goldblum who's just up to no good half the time and just wants to make everyone's lives miserable <laughs> yep and also very similar uh the grandmother and Moana. sure <laughs> <laughs> They're similar, trust me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's another one of the kind of ever-evolving uh, wheelhouse actors in Taika's repertoire, if you will, because she's gets she gets thrown into a lot of his projects, and I hope she does continue to, because whenever she's on screen with her tagline, no child left behind, no child left behind, it's just you see this tenacity behind her eyes just like wanting to prove like I think herself the most like that she she's going to protect this child or what she thinks is protecting this child and she just gets so much out of it a lot of the one-liners that just get thrown out in this movie are usually from her and they're so freaking funny every single time I watch the movie well, I think we all know that one person who takes their role or job way too seriously. <laughs> and I think that comes to a head when it pans over to her and she's in the tank with like a helmet on. <laughs> like she's going to get this kid no matter what. And it's just kind of funny because you're like, wait a second. She's just like a social worker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like tracking down this kid with the military because she's going to get him back from whatever. I take my role here at the Bagel Boys too seriously. I quit my real job so I could focus on this 100%. So I relate for sure. Um, no, she's such a great just side character and just character actor in general. Whenever she's on screen, you're just watching what she's doing. She seals the show. Uh, I love her and Andy. <laughs> yeah, Officer Andy, I mentioned earlier, played by Oscar Kitely. He's He's like we talk about this i meant here's the famous sports reference i always make of like the kid off the bench who's able to hit like three or four shots or four or four shots he's not in the the game that long that's officer andy in this movie because every time he's on screen playing off of rachel house's character he's always saying like he's just along for the ride like you mentioned the person who takes their job way too seriously officer andy's just like he's clocking in he's clocking out he just he's not giving any kind of coherent thought to what he does he's just kind of there (laughs) it makes rachel's uh reactions to things all that more impactful and and, uh (laughs) funny throughout the movie 
<laughs> uh, let's talk about Rima Waita. She plays uh, Aunt Bella for the first. Can you say that name again for me, please? Rima. Yeah. Waita. Okay. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know what. How did you pronounce it? No, it sounded like you were saying the last name really quickly to like skip over it because I couldn't pronounce it because I'm oh. a dumb dumb. Okay, I me- I might have messed it up. I don't know. No, you did mess it up. These Forget these these Zealand names are tough. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> I was I was just being a jerk and wanted to hear you say I'm it again. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> She is wonderful. Get every other name wrong from here on out. So sorry. She's great. I think that you really get attached to her Mm -hmm. uh, very quickly, and you kind of see her as. I mean, she really comes in as like that mother figure for Ricky. And I think if you hadn't seen the movie before, you definitely think, oh, maybe this is about like this story of this family, this kind of like unconventional family. Um, But it takes. a pretty sinister turn uh, early, very early on in the movie, which yeah. at first I didn't like because it's so abrupt, but I think it really kind of sets the tone for um, a lot of like changes in the movie that happen really quickly and sporadically. Yeah, it, it's, I feel like this is the, we got, you guys compared it to Up earlier on. And so obviously this is the biggest similarity I think we'll talk about is the death of Bella within the first 20 minutes and so i'll attach a spoiler warning to the beginning of this episode because we we have to talk about this now because especially with her performance like you guys mentioned her like sitting out there like calling him back after he ran away the first time and you know giving him the dog and singing the birthday song for him that's something that's stuck stuck in my head all week it's actually the i mentioned this was on netflix that song is like the the preview like autoplay thing on netflix that whole scene (laughs) So, Ricky Baker, having her pull this off where you are impacted by that within under 20 minutes, like the the pick up, I love up, but it's a little, it's a little cheap because you're, you have the music, there's, there's the history as those characters as kids with Carl and Ellie, and then it goes into the whole montage and then it's just done and over with. Eric, I think your point about this, you don't really see this coming because I feel like you could have a fairly compelling story with the three of them. And then all of a sudden things get just thrown out the window in your heart and in your mind about where the movie's going as soon as you realize it's oh, like she's dead. She's had a heart attack. We don't really know what, what it was exactly that that killed her. And she she's just passed. And so, yeah, it, it takes the movie in a lot of interesting turns, and I think a lot of it has to do with her performance being able to make us care genuinely, but also see that, you know, hey, there's hope for this kid now. Like, maybe he will turn around, and then when she's gone, everything's just up in question again. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think the movie really would have worked if she lived, though, because the part of the whole story is them both dealing with loss and they kind of need each other as much as heck would hate to say it mm-hmm. so and yeah what a testament to really good acting to where this lady dies when she's been in the movie for 10 minutes and it does kind of hit you like a gut punch because you like i got emotional you know and i was like man she's only been in this movie for a little bit so no she's awesome i i love her i love her very much so yeah, we've gotten to talk about this cast of characters quite a bit now. And so 
One of the next categories on this review here we have is potent quotables. Quotes from the movie that we found funny, meaningful, or notable. And yeah, these characters are spouting out tons of fun quotes throughout the movie. Eric, what have you got as far as potent quotables? Um, I like the the quote when kind of the opening up of the movie, Paula is just like talking about um, Ricky as a bad egg. And she's like, he's disobedient, stealing, spitting, riding, throwing rocks, kicking stuff, loitering, graffiti, just cracks me up. Like she just goes on this long list of like things that aren't really that bad. And you're just <laughs> spitting. <laughs> you're like, what's wrong with this? And that's <laughs> just the stuff we know about. Yeah. Yeah, I like a. His name is Heck. You can call him Uncle. No, you can't. <laughs> and uh, majestical, majestical. Yes, that's one of those words. I feel like everybody kind of came up with when they were like twelve, you know. And they're like, "Oh yeah, what's this a really cool word?" You're trying to like impress some girl. Like, I need to just describe her in a word. You're just majestical. <laughs> <laughs> nothing (laughs) uh one of my you guys mentioned taika's character he puts himself in the movie as this guy who's giving the eulogy at the funeral and he says sometimes in life it seems like there's no way out like a sheep trapped in a maze designed by wolves (laughs) like very depressing like take on stuff and then he goes into this long analogy about how there's two, always two doors. It's one of the longer ones. I don't want to. I don't want to butcher it for people who haven't seen the movie. But that whole scene in of itself is just a potent quotable, basically. Yeah. I, it, it, there's something about the timing of that joke where he's like, "What's behind the first, second door?" And he guesses. And you just hear quietly in the back row, "Jesus." <laughs> he's like. No, not Jesus. No. And he acts <laughs> like they're door. stupid. He's like, it's, it's not Jesus. No. Obviously like he's, it's not. <laughs> he's tricky like that, Jesus. Let's pray to you, Jesus, to help us with those doors and to find you in your bounties of delicious confectionery. <laughs> it's like, what is this guy he talking makes, about? He makes some guess again. And she guesses again. Jesus. <laughs> goes, yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> I also like Paula telling Ricky that he's like Sarah Connor, but in the first one before she could do chin ups. I forgot that that was in this for some reason. Then it's like, no, you're like Sarah Connor. And then like they bring it up again. That's that doubling down on like little bits they plant. And then they're, they're on, he's like on trial at the end of the movie. It's like, and I said, he's like Sarah Connor and I'm the Terminator. <laughs> I love, I love, love, love that court scene in the end because they're all spouting off the most insignificant quotes. <laughs> it's like, what kind of case is this? None of the information like helps at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Uh, one, one, another one from her from that character. Uh, <laughs> we say her name Rachel House all the time, but the, she plays the character Paula Hall. And she, it's not her, it's Officer Andy's quote, like, back at her as she's, like, looking at the ground of this burnt down shed and, like, notices, like, Ricky's, you know, out in the bush somewhere, out in the wild, and Heck's not there anymore. And Andy's just, like, stumbling around, like, making noise amongst this rubble. And he's just kind of spouting out stuff that just 
doesn't like it's again non-coherent and at the end he's like something definitely happened but i'm wondering what (laughs) (laughs) i like when he makes the fake dead body he's like goodbye ricky baker and he he lights the body on fire inside of a barn and is surprised when the barn burns down I feel like there's so many good quotes from this movie. It's like hard to pinpoint any one because every line just has like a certain charisma to it that, you know, you just is, it's a quotable. I'm, there's so many that come to mind and I don't want, I feel like this is a cop out for this category, but I do not want to say the lines because I'm afraid that it will lessen the comedic timing, especially for those of the people who like, we can spoil the whole movie, which we have. If you've listened and you've gone past the spoiler warning, I put at the beginning of this episode and you're like, I don't care. And you know, maybe you're thinking, I don't need to see the movie. Please, please, please watch the movie because I'm, I'm even going to just stop this segment here because there's like, I don't want to, to, you know, the, the comedic timing from everyone with the script just adds this layer to it that I don't want to ruin for anybody, you know? Are you really putting a spoiler warning in this episode? Yeah, a thousand percent. That's kind of funny because we didn't do that for Fight Club. One of the I know. <laughs> Why hunt for the wilder people? Why this movie? There's no, there's no twist really at all within this movie. But you guys under, you guys get what I'm saying. Like if we spent like this whole time talking about all the funny things, like we're yeah, not gonna yeah. do it justice. Right. Like they're right. not that. Like oh, it's not like jokes we're telling necessarily it's all within their delivery especially that whole scene we mentioned with uh the family with the girl and her dad when he comes like stumbling into the kitchen and you know talking about like he's like playing some game or something in the background he's like oh ricky baker like that whole monologue of stuff is just tickling comedy gold it's yeah it's thank you comedy gold yes and so potent quotables we'll just slap it on the whole movie it's just potent with quotables <laughs> you it can reeks just, potent, it reeks you can smell it reeks. <laughs> so we've come to the close here to infinity and beyond it's the question that we pose at the end of every movie review we do of what's the movie's legacy in another five years after this after we've talked about it so in 10 years where will this movie be eric i think that this movie's really going to hold up over time um, I also think that as Taika gets more well well known, like I think he already is kind of on that climb. But I think that this movie will be like, oh yeah, this is one of the you know kind of early Taika films, and I think that people are gonna like that. Um, I I think now I'm just kind of waiting for this movie to kind of have that nostalgia for me, where I like it as kind of um, one of the newer films that's come out in the last you know several years, but. I think that it'll hold up pretty well um, over time. Yeah, yeah. I think the movie will hold up quality-wise, obviously. And I think that, like I said, I think it is his best movie. I don't think it'll... Keep in mind, he's set to direct a Star Wars movie, set to direct a Willy Wonka, and a Oompa Loompa spinoff. I just found out... (laughs) I don't know how you do an Oompa Loompa spinoff, but I'm all right. Um, He's got uh, more Mandalorian episodes he's going to do, I'm sure. So I'm worried that while this will be his best movie, I think think it will get lost in the Mm -hmm. shuffle. 
of the big budget movies and projects that he's going to put out. But um, no, quality wise, you know, at least, you know, I'll, I'll rewatch this movie quite often because I love it. But uh, I'm worried that it probably will not stay remembered that long. I think I'm fall somewhere in between the two of you guys, because while I don't think it's his best movie for strictly like just personal bias, I do think it's his most accessible movie. Whereas I think Jojo Rabbit's his better movie. That's not something everyone like, it's not an easy sell by any means as like the Hitler comedy, you know, like it's, it was, it was kind of stoked in controversy before it even came out and if you see the movie it has nothing like nothing to be concerned about as far as where its its stance goes or where you know it goes and I'm pretty sure Taika's part like he's Jewish anyway so it's not like he's even overstepping there but with this movie in particular like you mentioned at the beginning Eric it's so easy to just recommend this to people and I feel like now that it's on Netflix and with Taika kind of being on the rise, like you said, I, I, I really hope in five more years, this is the one where it's like, oh yeah, Taika Waititi, that great director, he directed, you know, Jojo Rabbit, that really cool episode or two of Mandalorian, hopefully a really great Star Wars movie and Hunt for the Wilder people too. And it'll yeah. be mentioned up in like the mm-hmm. names or even if in new trailers where it's like, you know, the director of Hunt for the Wilder people, I hope it gets that. I don't necessarily think it, it might ever get to that point where it's being, you know, put into advertising, but I feel like as he becomes more of a household name or, you know, comedic writer and director more so than he already is, it's tightly attached to his name. And I think a lot of that will kind of come from, like we talked about the community aspects of, you know, mm-hmm. these actors who are in the movie, the, the New Zealand culture that's woven throughout the film, all of it, I think, plays just an unforgettable part in making this uh, a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as rewatchable scale, we've got the rewatchable scale, which is seek it out, watch with friends. If it's on, what's the mood and stab my eyes? I think we can all very easily stamp this both uh, seek it out slash watch with friends. I don't yeah. know. I'm yeah. calling the shot here. I don't know if it's anything else than that. As I thought through kind of that list, I definitely think it's a great movie to watch with friends. I think that people really enjoy it. The The different scenes um, are enjoyable to kind of replay and talk about after the movie's over. Um, I think you should definitely seek it out if you haven't seen it. Such a great movie to watch. You can You can watch it at almost any time in any mood. I think that it's just so accessible, uh, like you said, that um, it's for everyone. And I think that uh, everyone should have seen this movie. Uh, seek it out with your friends, but not your dogs, because that would be sad for the dogs. See the dogs die. It's sad for me. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I mean, as far as like when we talk like seek it out and everything, I I want to say like that's something that we kind of, you know, reserve for great movies, but I feel like this one even more so gets it because again, it's so I don't, it's such a favorite, you know? Like it's so not not only easy to watch, but it's hard to think of anybody coming back and being disappointed by this movie. And so to kind of lead that in here to our bagels here. Bagels meaning plural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Eric, no. just do it. Eric, yes, yes, no. Hold on. There's a dozen. I, I, we're gonna, we're gonna have this conversation now. This is gonna be the tail end of this okay. episode because if this is not even a conversation, I'm gonna be extremely no, it, disappointed. What's the conversation? It is a here? conversation. It's a conversation. It's something I thought about. I didn't sleep last night because I've been thinking <laughs> so hard about it. I, I will not give this a baker's dozen because I'm holding out for one other movie on our list that Stop. I would. There's I, no rules. There's no rules here. There's we make rules. the rules. There's there's rules. No. And I and I do think it. I do think the answer movie drags a little bit. I think that holds it back for me for being a baker's dozen. Like Wait I a said, second. You never said that. Yes, I did. My nitpicks, sir. Yes, I did. Sir, no, I did. If anyone said, like, I talked about slight dragging and pacing. Wes, roll the tapes. I said this movie could have been ten minutes shorter. I will roll the tapes hard after this. Okay, I swear. I thought you said that there were certain scenes that you thought could have been. I said the whole thing. I think I said it could have been ten minutes shorter, and you didn't need Psycho Sam. I said all that. I said said ten. You said ten minutes shorter, and then you prefaced that by saying. Not even like, I, but you were like, you were stretching. You you said yourself, you were stretching, like, but it is something that I would notice. Baker's doesn't a perfect movie, man. I can't do it. You I can't. okay? So hold okay. on a second. Off, off. This will be this. I'm gonna bleep this. What no, movie? You don't have to bleep it. No, I'm gonna bleep this because you'll see why, and you'll hear why. What movie? What movie in our 2016? Eric's close enough to us that he can know this. What movie are you? Yeah. Okay, and that's fine. I don't think yeah. that's. That's not a bad call, but how can you say that's because I think that movie is more perfect than this movie? More perfect, yeah. I would give this movie a nine five. I am so like, I'm sorry, I, I just I can't, okay. I don't like it. Enough is it strictly okay? Okay, say, say yes. I'm like, we're can't say I'm say I'm canceling the episode, I'm not say I do. Does this movie get a baker's okay. dozen? No. What? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It doesn't. I even said that it could have been 10 minutes shorter. Roll the tapes. I said it. I, I look, I can it. understand. I like Jerry Seinfeld. Wes, Wes got me really excited for Baker's Dozen, which I didn't know that, I didn't know that, that was going to happen. This movie has to be up there because think about this. This movie parallels two things that not many movies do. One, it's in a movie that's accessible to, to almost every person. Any person would enjoy this movie if they just like enjoy watching movies. Yeah. However, it also would satisfy film critics who are like really kind of anal about movies and want to pick them apart and talk about cinematography and score and production, mm-hmm. all, all that stuff. They can, that kind of type of person which I can say I'm not, like I just casually enjoy watching them, that per- kind of person can also enjoy this movie. And I think that that is not a movie that every person, that, that's the movie that not every movie does. And so I think that that's why it's like such a great movie. My, my yeah. piece here as we're going into this is I genuinely, genuinely at the start of this episode, I was like, I, I don't have anything written down. Mentally... I, I, at the bare minimum, whatever your arguments were, if you guys swayed me at all, would have been a, a nine. I knew I wasn't going any lower than that, but I didn't right. write down any decimals because I was like, I'll figure it out mentally as we talk it out. And as we've been talking this out, I cannot stamp this with anything. So if you guys want to, if Daniel, if you want to give this a nine five, that's fine. I'm boycotting my bagels for this episode. 
and <laughs> I will see Dude, here's the other thing, too. Here's the other thing, too. I didn't say this because it just wasn't going with the flow of the conversation. There are some jokes that don't land in this movie for me. Now Dude. you want to say this? No. I'm not, you don't have to keep this in. I'm just Dude, saying that we're I don't think this is everything. A, you this can keep everything in. in. I just don't think this is a perfect movie, in my opinion. I just don't, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I know. I think that's okay. I think you're entitled to that. I think you just led us on thinking that you <laughs> thought it was amazing and perfect. You left us there in the parking lot. It's nine o'clock. Dinner's cold. It's a table for two, table for three. Eric and I are alone. <laughs> We're left with the bill we didn't want. <laughs> Wes, with Spider-Verse, for example, I don't have any nitpicks. Versus 11, I don't have any nitpicks. I will um, go back to those episodes and find very similar nit. I will find very similar nitpicks to what you You have said. nitpicks in Spider-Verse, but I don't. But fine. I think we, yeah, we, you can have, nit, they're nitpicks for No, I know that, but I'm We're saying. We're not slam dunking on any of those movies. No, I'm just saying I didn't have any nitpicks for Spider-Verse. And that in my mind's like, oh, this is. It's perfect. So I give it a bigger dozen. I don't think this is perfect. All right. So if will you concede if I can find a nitpick for any previous baker's dozen that's on the same level. All right. I'll give it a baker's dozen if you want. No, 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 no. I'm not. It's not genuine for me, but it's fine. No, if it's not genuine for you, we're not doing it. But for me, I'm not. I I don't know what to to. It's ungenuine. It's disingenuous for me. How about? You just said yourself there are no rules. You guys give it a baker's dozen. I'll give it nine point five. No, here's the thing. Here's whoa, whoa, whoa! There's, we still have to uphold the 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 rules of that. And it, I thought I said there rules. There are no rules. It, rules is in limits on however many we can give, like in a miniseries. That's what I meant. Eric, go ahead. Here's what I'll do. So, the scale is one to ten, and then certain movies have gotten baker's dozens. I'll give this a ten. Um, you gave Moneyball a 10, Wes. You gave Moneyball a 10. That's like a great movie. (laughs) And so, and for the reasons I previously said, I'll give it a 10. I don't know that it would merit a baker's dozen, but solid 10. Moneyball got a 10 strictly because of what it means for me personally. People everywhere in the world could be like, Moneyball's a dog shit movie, and I'd be like, that's fine. It's a 10, because Wes, I love you it. you wanted me to give that a Baker's Dozen so bad, though. Moneyball? Yeah. Yeah, just because I love I love the heck no, out of that that's movie. that's fine. I'm just saying, I can't, in good conscience, I gotta give this movie 9.5 that's, bagels. I gotta dude, do it. I respect that. I just was surprised, because Again, I feel like maybe I'm just misremembering. I feel like the nitpicks of past Baker's Dozens, we had similarities in how we discussed it, where we were kind of dancing around nitpicks because we felt even weird about trying to find negatives. So I will stamp this. I don't remember Mad Max. I don't remember. It's been a while. That's the only one I'm a little fuzzy on. The other two, I'm almost 100% sure we were like, oh, well, maybe this character, or maybe this joke, or maybe this runtime. As things where we were where we yeah. were unsure, we felt un we felt uh, unconfident in our nitpicks and negatives, and I felt very similar today. But if I said anything that, negative about Spider Verse, you have permission to shoot me because that's a perfect movie, and I'd be ashamed of myself. There's one funny thing I'll say, Daniel, though, because from my experience of listening to your podcast, mm-hmm. I think that you have in the past have nitpicked a lot of movies but then scored them higher than i personally <laughs> thought you were going to yeah just from how you like how you talked about the movie so that's all i think that's all that surprised like wes and i because you didn't well, really have fun 
of nitpicks. And then keep in mind, I have no idea what I'm doing. You're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I'm not a film critic. It's nice to end this on a, on a heated debate because this is such a, you know, what other kind of like bland way to talk about a movie that we all love with, with, you know, all giving it similar nine point somethings or even tens. I like that we have this contention here of like, okay, what constitutes a baker's dozen? Are there rules? Are there not rules? What does Eric have to say about it? Does Eric get to choose things now? We, there have been movies in the past where we weirdly given like, a high higher than 10 but not baker's dozen i forget which movie it was but i feel like i gave it like oh it was national treasure i gave like 27 bagels or something is that yeah. correct yeah <laughs> that's still hold up uh, <laughs> can that be allowed west i want it to west is gonna get back at me and he's gonna score the movie i want to give a baker's dozen the lower one he's getting the comments no, gonna no, come back daniel, and bite daniel, me daniel, daniel yes, don't give me your, i know this is not a this is not spite from you like oh i want to give this because i didn't talk to you beforehand that this was a baker's dozen so you gotta this is consult just me with finding me. it well I, that's what we were trying to do and we couldn't reach a consensus there was not the majority majority being one of the three <laughs> but that's how that's how the bagel crumbles sometimes that sometimes how you can't the bagel that, crumbles you can't get that even slice in the middle it gets stuck in the toaster the fire alarm oh, goes off because no. it's burnt but oh, no. at the end of the day, I think we can all say Hunt for the Wilder People is a fantastic film by a blossoming film director who's really come into his own in the past 10 years and really has put his stamp on the film industry. And for that reason, it's a thumbs up from everybody here in this podcast today. And I hope that more than any other movie I think we've talked about recently, this is one that we hope you all go out and uh seek out uh whether it's on netflix still or or even rent it's i say this uh, personal conviction here as a movie collector of physical media i don't have it like physically yes i own it digitally i'm able to watch it whenever i want but it's been so hard to track down like here in the u.s and so i need to do that i'm going to do that i feel like i need to do that now because (laughs) of how this episode has unfolded so yeah do it gonna do it eric thank you for being on sir you are just you, uh, sir. Yes. you were just a wonderful soul i've enjoyed my time i always do eric has has professionally just like promoted himself to like i don't know what the next rung up is like because yeah, this is the the second time you've been on the show there's only a handful of other people who've been on the show second time and we're already like thinking about what's the next time we can have you have you on because you Bless us with your presence and your your positivity and your insightful takes on these films, especially as someone who is like self-declared not necessarily a movie person, but you've been texting me a lot about like movies you've watched outside of the show and just things that you've discovered. And so every time you come on the show, I'm always excited to hear what what you think, because I know you'll have thought about it. You'll have considered like all aspects of the the process of the context of the show but also your personal tastes Hmm. yeah well i appreciate it i appreciate it i i have an absolute blast i enjoy uh being on the show hanging out with you guys i'll gladly do it again sometime soon well eric you just made my day and so we hope you guys had a great day listening to this episode of the bagel boys show daniel we have 
kind of a whole mess of things going on with our schedule right now. But as we've been talking here, I've kind of discovered what our next movie we will be talking about is as we record all of these out of order. Please tell me because I'm so lost. We've got another, we've got Chad, another reoccurring guest coming back next week for Swiss Army Man, another very offbeat comedy that I feel like is a little more controversial as far as uh, comedies go and content goes. So excited to talk about that with Chad and excited to talk more movies in general and very excited to have Eric on the show today. So thank you once again, Eric, for coming on the show. So this has been the Bagel Boys Show, and we'll see you guys next week. I'm Wes. I'm not Wes. I'm not Wes, and I'm not Daniel. And that's Eric Dyer, our lovely guest for the episode. So you guys all have a great rest of your week, and remember to just enjoy the show. Not good, Daniel. Love it. It's fine. It's fine. I'm getting you. Oh no! It's if you good. don't like it, I can cut. No, it. I was kidding. I was I'm cutting it. Money it's bar. gone. No. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. It's out of here. It's going it's away. Good. It's fun. <laughs> There's no theme song. Nothing's been edited. It's all. <laughs> it's all <just> <laughs> <laughs> Is that Seinfeld? <laughs>